All right. Uh, just reminding you uh, quickly of our objectives. We had seven objectives for this series, a lot longer than what I normally do, but mainly because it's, it's prophetic. These things are very important. So I'll just quickly review this and then we'll actually go on to the list. And I'll just walk you into the list and what we're talking about today. We say that our objective is number one, to provide perspective into God's prophetic events, to illuminate end time events that is consistent with all of the texts of Holy Scriptures, full of faith, hope, and love, to acknowledge that God is both full of grace and mercy and also judgment and vengeance. There are warming scriptures, but also warning scriptures. Four, to highlight patterns, principles, and personality profiles that appear repetitively in scripture, enabling us to look backward but see forward. Five, to develop a prophetic viewpoint that informs our view on global events, but is not unduly influenced, such that we try to conform Bible prophecy to current events, resulting in speculation, not spiritual expectation. Six, to motivate you to be about your father's business through an understanding of God's prophetic time clock. The most exciting part of the game is in the final seconds. Hallelujah. And then finally, to give you comfort, confidence, and hope that God is a plan for your deliverance from darkness as he ushers in a new age. And of course, we've been talking about deliverance overall, that we're destined for deliverance has been our Sunday series. And so we just want to keep that in mind that there's always deliverance from situations and circumstances, but there is an ultimate deliverance coming and I want to be ready to receive it. Amen. All right. We've, we've given you these eight critical perspectives and we're really on number seven, but seven is the the um, the the last of this series, and then then we'll go into another volume of this teaching um, after this. So I'm going to try to get through number seven today. I'm going to really try. I'm going to try really really hard. All right. So let's look at our list. We said that uh, eight critical perspectives on end time events. The first is the preeminence principle. Jesus is the subject. Pastor Dave, why did you say that? Because sometimes people study end times and then. They make the Antichrist bigger than the Christ or some other thing, right? And so if you that's why the book of Revelation isn't just the book of Revelation. The book of it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. So if you get anything out of it more than that, or other than that, where Jesus is not the main idea, then you didn't get it right. All right. Number two, we said all scripture forms a single book written by a heavenly author. It is 66 connected books, not 65 plus one appendix we aren't supposed to read or understand. All right, that's an important one. Three, prophetic scriptures give us a sense of time, timing, and the times so that we can be in tune with the will of God in our generation, not drunk and disorderly like the world. And that's a really important statement there. The purpose of us understanding, like if you don't know what time it is on a game clock and you're playing the game, you might not have the right level of intensity. All right. Number four. Go ahead, put up number four. I'm sorry. Skipped it. I ran too fast. Ah, there it is. There is a principle of prophetic pattern repetition that occurs in Scripture. Often, biblical scholars find one instance of prophetic fulfillment and lock onto it as if it was the only one. Um, in Ecclesiastes 1, it says that. That which has been shall be again, so that there's no new thing under the sun. And so we see patterns, patterns repeating is one of the key things that we all often deal with in this series. Number five, there's a pattern of prophetic types and shadows that foreshadowed the first coming of Christ. 
This is also true for the second coming. So there were certain things in the Old Testament that we can go back and preach, and they showed how, how Jesus' ministry was going to be. The same thing is true for his second coming. Even he gave us some, as it was in the days of, um, of Noah. So shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Okay, then what were they doing in Noah's day? If you know something about Noah's day, then you know what to look for to give you a sign of his returns. Amen? All right. That was number five. Number six. Dave, why is it taking so long? Because I got a lot of notes in here. Number six says, Satan has always wanted to assume the place of God, whether in heaven and on earth throughout history. That will not change. All right. And seven is the one that I'm dealing with now. Getting at it from my notes. So I get here. Okay. There are three distinct groups that have collective destinies being dealt with by God the nations of the earth, the nations of Israel, and the holy nation, the church. That's the one we're going to do part B of that today. And, and number eight, we've talked about previously, um, but just for the completeness on it, we'll, we'll state it here. There is a clear pattern in scripture of diverging destinies, some miraculously saved and others horribly lost. Now there, even that, that seems um, like a foregone conclusion, but clearly it's not because it's controversial in some circles. All right. First Corinthians 10 32 has been our starting scripture for the number seven point that there are three distinct groups that have collective destinies being dealt with by God, the nations of the earth, the nation of Israel, and the holy nation, the church. All right? And so 1 Corinthians 10, 32. It says, give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. All right? So the Apostle Paul here was saying that there are these three groups, and I don't want to be offensive to none of them. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul said this in this fashion because in one sense, um, yeah, the, 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 um, the, the New King James says the Jews, the Greeks, or the Church of God. In the King James, it says the Jews, the Gentiles, right? Um, because we are in a Greco-Roman-influenced world, right? Um, and so the Apostle Paul, because of his training, interfaced with all three groups, right? Because he was a rabbi, a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees, had been trained by Gamaliel, he had a certain level of insight and, and covenant commitment to the nation of Israel. But he was Saul of Tarsus, and when they beat him, he said, are you going to beat me not having been condemned, and I'm a Roman citizen? Right. But then he was the one who at first was, as 
Saul of Tarsus that was offensive to the church, wasn't it? Because he was stoning Christians. And then after that, after that, he made a move and became um, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so his whole destiny changed. And so he he is somebody I love studying this piece because it really talks through the fact that um, he understood all of those things. All right. Now, remember, um, just just for review here um, that we talked about how in Genesis 11, all the earth was of one one um, language and one speech. They were in the land of Shinar. Shinar, it says, was the um, was the place that uh, that place became Babel and then became Babylon. Right. It was the same land of Shinar and Daniel chapter one where the children of Israel, those that were enslaved, were taken to the land of Shinar, it said. Right. And so we talked about how God confused their speech. And um, and then in that in that place, um, the, the world system was trying to do something against God to be united against God. God confused their speech, and then they began to populate the planet. Um, we also talked about from Acts 17 that God determined from one blood to make all nation, um, from one blood to make all nation of men that populate the planet. That was a God thing, right? I love that scripture in Acts 17, 24 to 27. I'm not going to read it again. Um, but just for your reference, that's like a spiritual social studies. That God is the person that determined the places where people live and the time in which they live. Thank God that he brought me to the good old U.S. of A. In 2019. Thank you, Jesus. All right. We had some tough stuff, but it could have been a lot worse. I'm just saying. All right. Uh, we talked about Abraham. So God populated all the nations and sent them to different places and at different times. And he told Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. And out of you, all the nations or families of the earth would be blessed. All right. So we talked about that and about how God, um, through, through Moses, prophesied that the nation of Israel you know, first, in, initially, there were just families, but then there became city-states. Remember social studies? City-states. You know what I'm talking about? A city-state? Like Sparta was a city, but it became a state until they federated and became the nation of Greece. Right? Right? Rome was a city-state. It was a city, but it was an empire all by itself. Right? And um, they, there were city states. Then there became nation states. And God dealt with God, placed all of them. And then God put the nation of Israel in a prime position because it was on a land bridge between Europe, Africa and Asia. So anybody that wanted to do intercontinental trade would go through the land of Israel. Right. And the thing was, they were supposed to pass through there. And God said, don't you learn about they guys. Make them learn about your God. 
And if they learn to buy you and they bless you, then they will be blessed when they go back to their country. Just like the Queen of Sheba came up from the south, heard about everything there. She was blessed. She brought some gold. She took some back. She took some of his stuff back with her. And then there were these Ethiopian Jews. You see that? All right. And so um, so God set him up that way. And then God said in the early days, he said that. That he would judge Israel. When they violated their covenant. He would judge them through the nations. When you disobey me, the nations will enslave you. The nations will do this to you. And then in the end times, we show from from Matthew 25, where Jesus describes that the fact that God in the end times will judge nations by how they treat Israel. Now, listen, your your pastor is one of those people. And I'm going to show you some scripture here that backs my belief. I'm just um, sharing with you how I see it. Not, Not everybody sees it the way your pastor sees it. Not everybody in the church does. And I'm and I'm respectful of that. But faith comes by hearing and you're supposed to hear me. So I'm going to tell you. Um, but God was very clear that he would bless those that bless the nation of Israel, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and his descendants after the flesh. If you don't believe that, then how do you take on that covenant when when in Christ you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise It's I tell people it's it's just better for you to leave me alone. I'm not being mean. I'm not. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not even trying to be cocky because I'm not that in myself. But I know who I have a covenant with. Does that make sense? All right. Um, And so um, how how a country treats the nation of Israel has a lot to do with how that country does. And I do believe even though. Even though, even though I think as a nation that the nation of Israel has, in some aspects, gotten off its original mission from God. That's that. That's not unlike the church. Sometimes the church gets off its mission, even though we got covenant with God. Anybody besides me ever then got off the path? You know, right? So, um, but but you can't you can't deny that there was. There is not a covenant that God had with his people. We also talked in one of the previous sessions and we said the scripture says that um, God will raise up two witnesses that will witness in in the city that the Lord was crucified in, which is Jerusalem. But it said that that city will be called spiritually Sodom in Egypt. And then I pointed to that and said that can only be true. If the nation of Israel takes on same sex issues, just like the rest of the world around them. Right. You you can't spiritually be Sodom if you don't take on Sodomite behavior. OK, so clearly you can't look at them and just say because they had this covenant with God, they're the paragon of righteousness. All right. I'm just saying. All right. And so um, the there were. Old Testament prophets that had revelation on end time events. Moses did. Daniel did. 
Zechariah did, and Ezekiel did. Now, those Old Testament prophets only saw Israel's end in the end times because they weren't prophets to the church. God, the Apostle Paul said that the thing that God showed him about the church, God didn't show them in the previous ages. They didn't even know about the church. They knew about Messiah, but they thought Messiah was coming just for the Jews. But in their dispensation, when God talked to them, Daniel asked, Daniel asked the, the angel Gabriel, and just go back and read this, only a few verses in Daniel chapter 2, what's going to be a, for my people at the end, end of time? And he said, Daniel, go to sleep. God's going to take care of them. He's going to raise, he's going to, to come to, to meet their needs. But he never told him anything about the church. Does that make sense? Why? Because in their dispensation, it wasn't for them to know about us. It's for us to know about them, but it wasn't for them to know about us. God hid that mystery, the Apostle Paul said, inside himself that he was going to raise up a Messiah that in whom the Gentiles would trust. Does that make sense? All right. Now, Paul had revelation on the, the nations of the earth or the Gentiles, the nation of Israel and the nation of the church. Paul had the best revelation on all three of them. All right. And so to understand all three of them, he's a primary figure that we have to, to understand. So let's look at Romans chapter nine. Paul not only understood the nation of Israel, um, but he, he, he understood them prophetically and he desired to minister to them. But his ministry was primarily not to the nation of Israel. His, his ministry was primarily to, to convert Gentiles to come to know Jesus Christ. All right, let's look at Romans chapter 9. We're going to read some of that. I'm going to skip, skip through it and read various other verses. So if you want to understand things about God, um, the prophetic calling, the New Testament prophetic calling of, of uh, the nation of Israel, then you got to really take some time and understand Romans chapter 9 and Romans chapter 11. And so we're going to read through some of those verses. All right, first we're going to go Romans 9, 1 through 5, and then I'm going to skip down to 22 through 24, and then 30 through 33. All right? Romans 9. And it says, I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. Oh, stop there. You know, Moses said the same thing. God saved them and blocked me out of your book. God said, no, 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 that's not how that worked, bro. The person who sins against me, that person is the one who gets blotted out. All right. Verse number four, who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, 
the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. So he said, listen, listen, these people had all like the nation of Israel special because this is a people that God used to bring the core revelation upon which all other real revelation of God is based. They, they, God adopted um, Abraham. He called him his friend, gave him covenant, gave him promises, revealed his glory. They saw his Shekinah glory, and God spoke to them. When Moses' predecessors before that, according to historians, that they were moon worshipers, and God called him out. Now listen, if I founded a church, and then my kids went nutted up, and then I had spiritual sons and daughters, and they began to lead the church, once I was dead and gone, I would tell my spiritual sons, Never you could, I'm not telling you to bring my kids and just let them, you know, turn the church and, run, and turn it into hell. But if they get right, pull them back in. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I mean, I would hate to be laboring with your sons and daughters. And my, my, let's just say, God, this is not true. But if my daughter was out wilding and out, and then I died and she hadn't come in yet, then I'm going to point to my spiritual sons and daughters and say, y'all pray for her and work for her until she get it. But when she get it, y'all pull her back into the fold. Does that make sense? And that's, that's what the Apostle Paul was saying. He was like, listen, I mean, these other people, I feel some kind of way for my people. God used them in that move. And right now they're outside of the move of God. But I still feel some kind of way. <laughs> All right. Now, see, I understand that. That makes sense to me. Doesn't it make sense to you? All right. Now, look at verse 22 through 24. All right. And it said, what if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for this destruction and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for his glory, even us whom he called not only the Jews, not of the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. Now, the verses above this was talking about how the Pharaoh that Moses dealt with, that God had raised him up and, um, the Bible says he was a black man, but I know other people. I know Hollywood don't. They have him looking like Charlton, Yul Brenner and Charlton Heston. I know. Okay. Um, the Bible says God raised him up to be a vessel of destruction. The scripture says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, it was in Pharaoh's heart, and God just said, okay, you want to go there? I'm going to let you go there. And then God raised him up to take him down so that, you know, my parents were of the kind. They said, listen, you know, my parents was youth ministers and they said, we're going to whoop you in front of the other kids at church. So when we get done whooping you, everybody else are mine. 
God said, the scripture says, God raised up Pharaoh. When I whoop you, everybody else going to remember. They, when, they got scared in Canaan because they had heard of what, what, what the Israelites God had done to Egypt. Okay? And so he said he had raised them up for destruction and he had patience. Sometimes we ever had, God, I wish you would get him. I wish you would get him. And then we don't understand that there's a plan he might be working. He said, this is part of my long-term plan. Now, I'm going to take care of this. But when I take care of it, everybody going to know that I did this. All right? Now, let's look at verse 30. We're going to read verse 30 through 33. What shall we say then that the Gentiles, that's us before we got saved, who did not pursue righteousness because there was no righteousness for us to pursue outside of Jesus Christ, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness, not because of what we did right of our works, but a righteousness based on faith. Amen. But Israel pursuing a law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness because you can't do enough law and be right. Verse 32, why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Thank God that I just didn't stumble. I just chose to believe, and I don't have no shame. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And you don't have any either. Now, let's I just took snapshot of, of out of chapter nine. You should read the whole thing at your own time and leisure. Now let's go down to Romans chapter eleven. All right, we're going to read starting at verse one through seven, and then we're going to go to eleven through twenty-three, and we're going from there. All right, and it says, "I say then, has God cast away His people? Certainly not." For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleased with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. All right? What we would call those, the remnant that are in our dispensation, right? Remember that theological term? God dealt with people at different times in different ways. The theological term for that is dispensations. There was a dispensation of the law because John 1 says the law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's the dispensation we live. And he says there was in this dispensation, though most of this group of people are practicing the law trying to be righteous, there is an elect group within that nation that practices and it has the election by grace. Now, what I just said, what we would call those people messianic Jews, Jews that recognize Jesus as Messiah. 
All right. And there is a small group of them. They're not that big. All right. But but the Apostle Paul said that they are there and they are. All right. Um, what verse was I on? That was verse five, verse six. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So either it is grace or it's works. It can't be both. All right. That's what that's that's what that's saying in a nutshell. It's either grace or it's works. All right. I work the work of ministry not to earn my salvation because it's grace. All right. But I say, like the Apostle Paul, I labor more than they all, not I, but the grace of God that was with me. But I received not that grace in vain. All right. So I'm not working to earn my salvation because there's not enough work I can do. Because I'm saved, I am working so that other people can participate in what God gave us. All right. Now, verse seven. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect, a small group, have obtained it and the rest were blinded. There's some things they can't see. That's what the Apostle Paul said about it. Now let's skip up to verse 11, and we'll read down to verse 23. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Let me just stop right there and say thank you. Because that's how I got in. Right? Initially, when they heard Jesus say, go into all the world and preach the gospel, they thought they were going to all the Jews in the diaspora and preaching only to them. They had no plan to preach to people that look like you and me. Right? But God had a plan, and that plan is for your salvation. The issue is um, your covenant is new and better than their covenant. They have a covenant with Abraham. They have a covenant with Moses. It was a covenant with David. But the covenant you have in Jesus Christ is better than theirs. All right? And the intention is, is that your covenant should make theirs like, man, man, them Christians, man, they, 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 we supposed to be the one that's blessed. All right. You're supposed you're supposed to be walking in such covenant prosperity. They supposed to be jealous of you. Isn't that what that said? All right. Um, verse 12. Now, if their fall is the richest for the world, because that's what it was for us and their failure, riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Uh-oh. So it says, as good as what we have now is, there's going to be some other empowerment that comes back when that part of God's covenant family is brought back in in fullness. If their fall will be riches, how much more when they rise up and recognize that Jesus as a mass group recognized Jesus as Messiah. All right. Um, verse 13. For I speak to the Gentiles inasmuch as I, the Apostle Paul, am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. He says, listen, 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 listen. 
I got revelation on this because this is my ministry. I minister to the Gentiles. So I'm explaining to you this other part that you don't know. Now look at verse 14. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are of my flesh and save some of them. He's like, listen, I'm trying to get y'all blessed so then I can point to you back to my family and say, see, y'all should come back in because if I get all of what I got, then y'all can get what they got. All right. Verse 15, for if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? One of the real empowerments that will come when the nation of Israel recognizes Jesus Christ and Lord in mass. And Zacharias said that there's a day that they're coming and they will look upon him in whom they have pierced. This scripture says that their falling away got us reconciled to God. Their restoration will cause in uh, um, an empowerment of resurrection power to the church. Wow. So there's a whole other level. Now, some until that happens, we're going we're gonna to keep believing in resurrection. But this scripture says that resurrection will be seen in power. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that makes sense. If my family, if I had founded this thing, man, I would want something to come back when my family gets brought back in. Now, see, that motivates you to go get my family. <laughs> he said he, he wants you motivated. And this and we go on and he said, don't you know, don't be because there are some some church people. Christians that are very disrespectful and dismissive to the Jewish, to the nation of Israel from a spiritual perspective. They're like, it's nothing to them. I beg to differ. Now, see, I didn't, this wasn't, this wasn't, I didn't read um, Deuteronomy or Leviticus. I didn't go back to, to the, to Exodus, to the law of Moses to give you, this is Romans. Last time I checked, this is in the new Testament. In fact, in fact, what I'm reading to you came out of Romans 11, which comes after Romans 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe that Christ has raised him from the dead. So this is not talking to Old Testament people, all right? So this is talking to us. The Apostle Paul is talking to people like us who, who, who are Gentiles by birth but came into the church. Now, you're, we're not the Gentile church because you cannot be both. If anyone's in Christ... He's a new creature. His old Gentile nature has passed away. In Christ, all things are new. But he's telling us, y'all need to pump your brakes. If you just think now that you got this, you can be dismissive of the people that God used to get this into the planet. All right. What verse am I on? I'm sorry. Okay, verse 16. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. All right. They're the first fruit. The rest of us that are brought in is the lump. If the root is holy, that's them. So are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off and you being <laughs> a wild olive tree, I was going to say buck wild. That's what I was going to say, but I'm not going to say that. Were grafted in among them and with them became partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, 
but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. And that fear doesn't mean being afraid. It says being reverential. Just, just pump your brakes. Make sure you're careful about how you think about this. All right? For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity, but toward you goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you will also be cut off. All right, so you got to keep living by faith. All right? And he says, pump your brakes when you just get an attitude. Because, you know, people get in the church and then they think they just get all, you know, I'm just God's man of faith and power. And he says, no, 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 no. Your perspective on that, your attitude is wrong. It's by grace. God deciding to favor us. It's through faith us believing and receiving that favor that we stand. As soon as you get out of that, you out. All right. Verse 23, and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in for God is able. Uh, stop there. God is able to graft them in again. They're on the outside, but God can put them back in. And the scripture says God has a plan to put them back in. Now we're going to read verse 25 through 33. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Stop, 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 stop. Um, there is a, when the Bible talks about mystery, it's telling you there's something there that you can't understand unless somebody with revelation tells you. I saw you a great mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. There's no mathematical way for you to get there. Somebody who has revelation that's authorized has to show you the mystery or you won't see it. Okay. We're saying that the apostle Paul was authorized by God to show us things that we would not figure out on our own. All right. So he's saying there is a mystery about how God's going to work with his natural people that he wants you to be in on. All right. God does not want us to be ignorant of his mystery. So let's not be ignorant. Um, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That the blindness, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until. 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 The fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Uh-oh, God is giving us a sign about this dispensation in which we live. That there is, what did Jesus say? Go out into the highways and hedges, compel them to come until my house is full. This scripture says that there is an accumulation that God's tracking and one day he's going to call the house full. And when he calls the house full of us, he's going to go back and get his family. He ain't forgot them. He still remember his covenant that he made with Abraham. He ain't forgot it. 
See, this is why I, I differ from, from, from people that just say, well, you know, it's all Old Covenant, it's all Old Testament, there's nothing to it. I don't live under the Old Covenant, I don't live under the Old Testament, but there is stuff in there that still has bearing today. Right? Now, I, I needed somebody from my dispensation who was sent to me to explain it to me how it's going to work. Well, the Apostle Paul, that's, that was his job. I met, he said he magnified his office. He was sent to tell us, non-Jewish people, by natural birth, how this thing worked. All right? Well, verse, okay, so blindness until the fullness came in. Now look at verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved. There is coming a day when the Gentiles come in that God's going to come back. And <laughs> now what did Isaiah say? Can a nation be born in a day? This scripture says there's coming a day God's going to go back and get his family. Child, please. As much as I labor in his ministry, I'm praying for generations of mine now. You know, that'll be here when I'm gone. And I want God to remember his covenant. You, you realize the children of Israel, God had told Abraham something and said, your children going to go down to another nation, be there 400 years, and then I'm going to judge that nation. And the scripture says that the Israelites cried out and God remembered his covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God don't forget his promises. Now, you may forget them. But he don't forget what he's done promised you. You in there praying? See, if you understood that the right way, nobody would convince you to stop praying for your family. <laughs> if you understood that, I don't care what they doing. I don't care how they nothing up today. Nobody could convince you, right? We talking about deliverance. On Sunday, though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Hey, nobody can't convince me to stop praying. I'm just saying, because I understand that even I can pray stuff now that I don't even have to be here to see it come to pass. All right. Okay. Verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Israel. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. God remembers. See, this is <laughs> you want to. Because I understand this kind of stuff is why I do what I do. Because I want to do things that make, that, that, that puts an empowerment on my family line. Not just when I'm here, when I'm dead and gone. I want God to remember how, how I worked and labored. How I went, came home from working. Tired and sleepy, getting over the highways, trying to get to the church to get it going. I don't want to forget that. Well, if I think in my short, finite amount of time that I want him to remember what I did, clearly he remembers 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and David. He hadn't forgot all of them and what they did so that his, his word could get into the planet. All righty. Now, this verse 29 is a, is a verse that uh, we often quote. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance, irrevocable. Is the way the new King James. But he's talking about the gifts that he gave to the nation of Israel and the calling. He wasn't just talking about you being a preacher and then backsliding, don't want to preach, and then he telling you, you got to go preach. That's not what he was talking about. Now, I'm not saying that's not true. If he called you to be a pastor, you're going to have to be one, even if you feel like you want to run like Jonah did. But that's not what he was, that wasn't the main idea he was talking about there. That's, it's not because it's not true. He was talking about something bigger and larger. He was talking about the gifts given to the nation of Israel and their calling to be those through whom the whole family of the earth would be blessed. We only have one part of the dispensation of that through Jesus Christ, right? Abraham came, through him came Jesus. We All the nations get blessed if they accept him. But when all Israel accepts him, there's a whole nother empowerment that will come on the planet. All right. Verse 30, for as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience. Even so, these also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy for God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments in his ways past finding out. All right. So God is coming back to deal with the nation of, with national Israel in terms of salvation. For now, only an elect group received Jesus as Messiah, but he hasn't forgotten that covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, he hasn't forgotten it. All right. And he says, don't you be all persnickety. You understand what I mean when I say that? You don't 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 have an attitude like, you know, I'm just blessed and all of this. No, you blessed because you're in a covenant that God gave to Abraham and he allowed you into it through Jesus because he told Abraham that through him, all the families of the earth would be blessed because Paul, who was sent to the Jews when they rejected him, he says, the Lord is telling me that I can now go to the Gentiles. All right. All right. Um, verse, verse 30. Oh, okay. I'm good. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, um, what about our dispensation? Ephesians 2, 11 through 17. Man, this stuff is taking a lot longer than what I anticipated, but I always, but I want y'all to get this. This is good stuff. I mean, like much of what I say doesn't change what life is like for you day to day but it just makes the way you think about things correct, yeah. all right? This is not something that's, you know, that's going to change everything you think today, but it should, you know, there were, there were Christian people that misused Jewish people, and they think, and they do it today, and they think the church backs them up. 
And I'm like, man, how do you, how do you? I'm like, y'all not reading the same book that I'm reading. All right. Ephesians 2, um, 11 through 17. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh. You're not Gentiles in the flesh anymore. You were once that, right? Who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision made by the flesh by hands. They're, these are people. This is talking about we're called uncircumcision by the, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. That's what that's what uh, David meant when he called Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine. He was saying this this man has no covenant with God. And that's when they call you uncircumcised. That's what it meant, because the circumcision was a sign of a covenant they made because they were to be circumcised the eighth day, as God told Abraham. All right. Verse 12, that at that time, at that time, not anymore, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and with the, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one, both the Jew and the Gentile, and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the separation that is, the law of commandments containing ordinances, so he, so as to create himself one new man from the two. From the two who? From the circumcised and the uncircumcised. Our two are one in the election of grace in Christ Jesus. Thus making peace. Verse 16, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are afar off and to those who were near. But this ain't horseshoes. Near is, near is not in. You closer, but this ain't horseshoes. Just because you closer don't mean you in. You got to get in like I got in. Now, you was closer. You had the head start. You had the front seat. But us two are being made one in Christ. All right. Now, look at 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Now that I'm in, we were in the back. We were in the back. We had no hope without God. We had all of those things. We was far away. And then we went from the back to the front, didn't we? Because our covenant is new and better. It's built on better promises. It has a better blood. Theirs was the blood of bulls and goats. Ours is the very blood of the precious lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, right? Their covenant covered for sin. Our covenant cleanses sin. We move from back to the front. Now, in Galatians... What Galatians will tell you is, is that, that just like there was, um, there was Sarah and Hagar, right? Just like there was Isaac and Ishmael, right? God put the blessing on Isaac and Sarah, not the blessing on Hagar and Israel, right? Now, what Galatians says is, 
is that the Jews currently, they have the position of Hagar and Ishmael, and you got the position of Sarah and Isaac. You jump to the front of the line. And it says Jerusalem that's above, talking about the heavenly Jerusalem, is the mother of us all. All right. So we, we went from the back of the line and we said, excuse me. And then we jumped to the front. Now, he says, don't say that like it's a position for you to be proud. You only got that because of the grace and mercy of God. But you got it. You should receive it, walk in it and be humble and thankful for it. Does that make sense? All right. And you should know and believe that he's coming back and getting his natural family because he said he was. All right. First Peter two, nine and 10. That's why we said that God is dealing with these three people groups, collective destinies, the nations of the earth called the Gentiles, the nation of Israel and the holy nation, the church. This is where we get the term holy nation. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, was not a people of covenant. That's us. We, we had no covenant. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. All right. Okay, so so God has a time and a way that he's going to deal with all of the people groups. Thank God it is our assignment to go to the nations and, and invite them into the holy nation. All right, now, your heavenly citizenship it's supposed to be worth more to you than your earthly citizenship. So you should be more Christian than you are American. All right. Now, if you want, there's a lot of the church in our political process that is more American than they are Christian. Okay. Now, if you stay over there on the American side, you will get the American judgment. All right. And so you, you got to be careful. Like I get all upset. These people, he, you got to watch. Watch how you talk about the president. The president we got was the one who talked about the last president. Y'all was all quiet. When he was trying to say it's a conspiracy, he was born in Kenya. The one who don't want to show his taxes or his grades in school was the one who made the last president show his birth certificate. See, y'all was more American than Christian. You know, you confuse the stars and stripes with the stripes of Jesus back. It's not the same. No, stop that. All right. And so if I stay just with the nations of the world, I'm going to get the judgment. Because the nations are going to be judged. 
And if you think the nation we in, because we can say God bless America, God bless the good old USA. If you think this nation don't have any judgment, you're not looking closely. The Civil War was a judgment on this nation. There was there was Christians. Our parents were Christians. They couldn't even read the Bible. But history shows that 30 years before the Civil War, that God's prophetic word had went out through slave churches saying God is coming to deliver us. Go down way down to Egypt land and tell old Pharaoh to let my people go. Still away to Jordan. Still away, still away. They had revelation. Just one or two scriptures that they had. Because they only let the slave master only let them read the ones that said slave be submitted. But somehow in the midst of that, God got talking because the Holy Spirit won't shut up. And because they had shed all of that blood, God let their blood be shed. Because more, more blood was shed in the Civil War, American blood, than any other war. Before or after. It was a judgment. The nation was judged. So you think stuff can happen and we can, we can lock up kids at the border or, or we can abort them or, or we can use police powers to, to, to kill um, people unjustly and think that there's not judgment associated with that? Come on now. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox. <laughs> All right, turn to Revelation chapter 7. We'll read this. Pastor David, why is this important? I, I went to a church thing while, while you're getting Revelation 17. This clearly is going to be my last scripture. I'm not, I was trying to get done. I was really trying to get done. Um, I went to, I was at a church meeting, um, and, and there was some, some uh, Christians of the Caucasian persuasion that was in the meeting, and it, and it was talking about racial reconciliation in our country. And it was an honest meeting. I wasn't mad at nobody. Nobody was mad with me. And it was just, it was just a, a time where we're talking about the division that's in our nation and how that division has entered the church. Now, Revelation 17 says that, that God found a, that had a number that no man could number of every tribe, nation, and family that's in the earth. And so we got to find a way to be more committed as brother and sister in Christ than we are divided based on ethnicity and color. You got it? That is the will of God. All right? Because as quiet as it kept, there was reasons why the KKK burned crosses. Okay? And um, the lady asked a question, sincere question, wasn't me, wasn't, she was asking the question, and, and I wasn't on the podium, so I couldn't answer. And I really didn't have an answer until I went back and meditated on it. And she was saying, why y'all got to say black lives matter? Don't all lives matter? 
Yeah. That was a legitimate question. I didn't even have an answer, but I had to go back and pray on that thing. And this is what the Lord said. So somebody asked me, this is for the benefit of those that don't want to know my answer to that. This is what the Lord said to me. When Esther said that Hebrew lives mattered, she wasn't saying that Persian lives didn't matter. She wasn't saying Persian lives didn't matter. What she, what she was saying is, was that there were laws that were, that were being unjustly targeting this one specific group. And that had to turn around. And, and God was on the side of them turning that around. She wasn't saying that nobody else's life in Persia mattered. Now, see, I just used the Bible and answered that question. Now, wasn't that a good Bible answer? I wasn't mad at nobody. I ain't angry. You know, I ain't saying you, you know what I'm saying? But listen to me. Now, I, I, I'm not going to get somebody. <laughs> I was going to say I'm not going to get somebody that's watching Fox News to believe what I just said. That, 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 see, that was a little too... I'm not expecting heathen going to do what heathen do. But in the church, I need some of y'all to stand up and say this is wrong, too. In previous. See what I what I tell you before. We couldn't have had an underground railroad if there wasn't somebody above ground helping us pass through. So I can't say that everybody that's not looking like me got to be the devil. No, I ain't saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I see the spiritual descendants of the slave owners. I see they have the same attitude. They talk the same way. They have the same talking points. I'm just looking for them Quakers kids who were the ones that was helping us, the Holy Rollers back in the day. And I'm looking for them and they kids to stand up in the church like they did back then. Because there were abolitionists who, who, who sacrificed everything so that people that look like you and me can be free. I'm just waiting for their sons to stand up. That's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. Okay. All right. So we didn't say we're the only ones. And I'm like, no, it's not like that. But, but I got to tell you, I have been pulled over driving while black. I understand what that feel like. I've had somebody talk to me. And put words in my mouth of stuff I wasn't deaf. See, and so we have to be people who, like the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul knew how to use his Jewish citizenship, his Roman citizenship, and his citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. And he used all of them boys. To do what God had called him to do and stay alive long enough to do it. When he was with the Jews and he told the Pharisees about the non-Pharisees, he said it's because of the resurrection. When he, when he was with the, with the Romans, he said, I appeal to Caesar. He used his government citizenship rights to stand up for his right to preach. I'm using everything God gave me to, use my, to get my job done too. In Jesus' name. Does that make sense? 
So we have to be people. And I'm warning people. Listen, man, you know, I'm not telling you, like, I'm not going to stand here and say, you know, the Obama, Obamas were the Christ. But hold it. There were people who hated. There was Christians who said they couldn't. The people that's talking to us and getting mad about you calling out the president now were the same people who said they couldn't even pray for the Obamas. I'm like, what kind of Bible you done found that tells you you can do that? Right. Y'all should just don't talk about him. Don't pray. about. Just pray for him. Yeah, I know he got false and stuff. Listen, he was the same one that was pointing out the false of the last one when his stuff wasn't even faulty. He's spending all his time golfing and you got you. You you don't made your your Florida home like, you know, it's like Camp David. We don't even hear Camp David no more. You spending all that money running it through your hotel. Come on, man. Don't be playing me. I understand how business work. Yeah, man, you can you don't turn that thing into a profit center. All of the secret service, the government now have to pay to keep your hotel running. Stop it. Just stop it. You just y'all playing church. See, y'all playing church instead of being the church. Does that make sense? Now, when it when when he's doing some some things are right. Don't, 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 he can't do nothing right. No, no, no. But we don't make this person, we make him a person, not a God. We don't say the last president was God. He did some things wrong. Things I completely disagree with. All right? But we don't make people God. But we make sure we stay on the side of the church. Because I don't want to offend them, but I'm certainly not going to be offensive to the church of the living God. Because that's the thing I'm using when all this other citizenship is burning up. That's the thing that's going to take me up. All right. That's the thing that we're counting on to bring us through to the place that God wants us to be. Amen. Praise God. I'm out of time. Did this bless you? Hallelujah.